Yeah, you're a bit low. I haven't got a mic, so this is just coming through the computer. I thought I might put headphones on, so it might make it better. I don't know if it's making it worse. Let me take them out. Is that better? Oh, so much better. Oh, God, what a change. What a change. I couldn't hear you for a second, so I was like, oh, fuck it, I've broken it. Let's chuck them over there. Welcome to Not Another Fitness Podcast, uh, episode one. Um, I'm here, I'm joined by Dan White who is PT up in Aberdeen. Um, yeah, we've got a couple of things that we want to talk about, but first of all, which I'm going to make a bit of a thing, uh, again, episode one, I'm making all the rules up. Um, elevator pitch. Dan, I'm going to give you 60 seconds on the clock. Yeah, 60 seconds on the clock. T- tell me about you, man. Right, okay. Nothing like putting me on the spot. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm Scottish, P- Scottish PT. Don't really sound Scottish. Uh, whether that's irrelevant or not. So um, my main demographic I work with, I help the women of the world lose fat, get strong, and gain confidence back in their lives. I love eating food, specifically burgers. Uh, I love going traveling. I play the guitar, which not many people know about. I play a few other instruments, but the guitar is the main one. And uh, I'm obsessed with watches. Watches? What man judo? Like, I love collecting watches. I have, like, a collection of five good ones, um, which I'll tell you about when you ask me some more questions. Oh, sweet. Okay, cool. Mate, you, you've done that with, with uh, like, 15 seconds to spare. Wow. Fair play. Smashed yeah. it. Absolutely smashed it. So, yeah. how these podcasts are going to work, we're going to do a first three and a final three. So, these are just three random questions. Just put you on the toes and so everyone can get to know you a little bit and probably judge you. Some of these are going to be really, really, real judge of questions. So if we were to order a takeaway right now, what takeaway are you ordering? Are we talking like Chinese, Indian, pizza? Are we getting a delivery Nando's? Talk to me. You don't need to ask me this question. So I would, uh, I would order a Chinese. Do you want okay. to know what I would order? That's the next question. What would you order from the Chinese? Okay, well, chili shredded beef. Um, yeah. Some form of uh, like prawn toast to start with okay okay yeah i like that yeah yeah um just because it's really greasy and a bit dirty like this is this is the spot coming out in it man if it's any grease and oil on it you want it you want prawn toast uh (laughs) and i would usually get some form of chicken and batter either lemon chicken Chicken or the chicken balls that you get yeah chicken balls Um, every time yeah i would always get ribs as well salt and pepper ribs for the win and uh, some form of rice I'm not too fussed special fried rice if they have proper with the barbecue sauce but if not I'll go for a chicken fried rice or something good man fair I I thought it was going to be a lot worse than that but yeah and then the final of the first three what's your favourite of ice cream or gelato or like talk to me oh I'm a mint chip man (laughs) I'm just I'm going to end this podcast now mate you ruined it you ruined it Mint chocolate. I have to admit, I have to admit, ice cream's not my strong suit. We can't be friends anymore, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll have it. Don't get me wrong, and I'll pile that bad boy up, but <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't put me up nor down. Okay, well, if I, if I had to go for another one, a like chocolate-based one, I would go like Nutella or Kinder Bueno or something. Nice, Kinder Bueno is always a shout, mate. Always a shout. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so since this is a bit more of a fitnessy podcast, um, yeah. we're just going to chat about a, a couple of couple of fitnessy bits. Um, but yeah, first question: How long have you been in the industry? How long have you been in the game? 
Oh God, how long have you got? So I, I officially started working for a gym as a leisure attendant okay. at the age of 18. Okay, so, so lifeguard? Yeah, lifeguarding, yeah, pool tests. Pool. Yeah. Squeegee and poolside, um, where they said the role was a fitness instructor slash leisure attendant, but you never okay. did any fitness instructing. You did leisure attending and reception desk. So I did that properly until I was about 23. Okay. And then I got my first uh, fitness job properly as a PT because one of the other big PTs in the gym left. And then I got lumbered with all their clients because I was the only one with a level three. So it worked out quite well. And yeah. then but it was a little hotel gym. Okay. And then a, a half a year later, I got a job just with working so well and getting good client transformations. I got offered a job at Bannantines up in Aberdeen. And then from there, uh, I was a PT. So proper PT, I would say this is my fifth year. Okay, sick. Cool. Fifth year. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, I think I think a lot of us have been there, been doing the lifeguard and reception. I was more like reception, and then did like I was yeah. like, oh, I hate reception. Can I do lifeguarding? And then I just did a bit of yeah. lifeguarding. I was like, you know, that's even worse. There's only so many people you can watch them up and down. And and to be and to be in and to think about it in hindsight, I really wish now I was more productive because mm. I used to every second week used to do a Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night shift, two until ten, and I used to sit and do nothing. I mean nothing. Angry Birds, Temple Run. I don't know if you remember playing those games on the yeah, first yeah. couple of iPhones. I'm not on not. the pool side, I hope. Oh, no. I was reception. Oh, okay. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was weird because it was like, a, it, was, it was a, you were a pool responder rather than a lifeguard. So the pool wasn't deep enough. It was only one meter deep. Okay. So you just needed to have eyes on it. You didn't actually need to be poolside. And after 6 p.m., it was adults anyway. So I used to sit at reception. I used to watch, like, football, the Olympics. I really wish I used that time now to learn, get a degree in something. Yeah, like, yeah. stupid, but, hey, it is yeah, what it is. Absolutely. Same. I spent my time on reception fucking moaning. And I was yeah. watching you stupid YouTube videos. Yeah. Hour, yeah hour no, spent on time I wasted. And just yeah. chatting shit and going off and doing other things. Admittedly, as the like, the longer I was there, the more like responsibility and little jobs that I got, which I quite enjoyed. Yeah. And I was like, I could, yeah. I'll. My first uh, place was linked with a like a private school across the road. Okay. Um, and it was all all in worked in conjunction, and like, so I'd go over there and I'd be in charge of the stationery, and I'd disappear for an hour and a half, go and pick up the stationery, and come back, and then have to like divvy it out. Oh, it's great. People used to love my little stationary orders. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. but the, main, the main point of this podcast, is probably what I'm going to title it as well. Um, so uh, it's basically that PTs don't have to be chiseled Greek gods to be a good, to be a good PT, to be a good coach. Discuss. <laughs> so yeah, okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll link this a little bit in with my own story. So yeah, back when I started as a fitness instructor, leisure attendant, I wasn't really, um, I would say, overweight. I was chubby, um, yeah. certainly, um, but done judo from a really young age. Yeah. Now, when I hit the age of 18, I got injured. Uh, I uh, dislocated my AC joint uh, quite badly. Mm. Um, didn't agree with some of the comeback things that my coaches were that discussing. So I took time off. And over that time, I went out three times a week. 
I was eating pizza for breakfast. I was young. I was still at college as well, so I was partying all the time. And I packed on a lot of weight. I got up all the way up to about 121 kilos. Now, for a guy that's five foot nine, that Mm. doesn't look good. So when I first initially got the job at Bannantines, I was that weight. Now, from moving from a health club where it's full of old people and, you know, um, rich oil workers, like my knowledge got me through because they didn't know any better. Okay. But when I went to a place that was a little bit more vain, had an actual gym where people came and did bodybuilding and physique competing. And uh, we had uh, pro golfers and, you know, we've actually, because it was so close to the uh, Aberdeen Exhibition Center, we had like Rory McIlroy come in, Fallout Boy, uh, Aberdeen, uh, the WWF wrestlers used to come every year. So it was quite a well-known gym, right? Yeah, yeah. So when I walked into the gym and first tried to tell somebody a little bit of uh, advice on like, um, I think it was meal timing specifically, the guy was like, he, he, he looked at me and was like, you don't listen to your own advice, do you? Straight away, I was like, holy shit, I can't have this. So then I obviously went and lost all my weight, right? So, yeah. and I know people now tell me that they always were like, yeah, we thought you were a bit overweight, but nobody really wanted to tell you because we didn't want to hurt your feelings, blah, 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 blah. So I then was like, I, I am right. I can't be this shape and I can't tell people what to do if I'm not even being seen to at least attempting it myself. Yeah. So I went and got myself all the way down to about 78 kilos at one point. Wow. Okay. From 122, right? That's like basically 50 kilos. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much, pretty much 50 kilos. And, uh, I was ripped. Uh, I think I was 11% body fat. I had abs. Um, no, I, 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 I could quite happily, you know, walk around with my shirt off, you know, fairly happy with the way I looked. But was I happy inside? No, I was absolutely miserable. uh, For me to keep up 100% of that appearance, my effort levels had to be 100%. So I couldn't go out. I couldn't drink. I couldn't eat crap. I couldn't not train. I didn't have a good relationship with food. I didn't have a good relationship with people. Um, I'd lie to people about going out to events like, oh, it's your birthday. Yeah, I'll see you there. I wouldn't turn up. I literally would say, I'll see you there at eight o'clock tonight. I would not show. So lost friends, lost a girlfriend, um, created a lot of bad relationships at work. Yeah. Um, just because I was grumpy all the time. Um, you know, obviously because I was dieting down on such low levels of calories. How many calories a day? Thought, at my peak, I think I've done 1,400. Bloody hell, 1,400. Now, for for at least my natural weight now sits around about between 90 and 94 kilos. Yeah. 1,400 is low. And I know that now. I, I, I know that now. Didn't back then, obviously, because there wasn't, you know, that much readily available information. Uh, and as well, I also followed very low carb. Very, very low carb. So like hard up here. Yeah. No extra carbs, bar veg. That was the only carbs I got from. So, yeah. So... Yeah. You're looking at me at one extreme, the end, where I'm really overweight and I was obviously unhappy. And I really was because somebody told me I looked that way and then I just went on a downward spiral. I then got really ripped, was unhappy, 
And then people also said, Dan, you look a bit unhealthy because my face was really like um, sucked in and gaunt. And I was very pale. Um, I remember I did an extreme cut where I lost like 16 kilos in two weeks because I had to cut for a judo comp. Um, so I was doing like sauna suit sessions. I was doing sweatsuit runs, skipping. I was doing judo three times a week. I was eating 1,400 calories a day. I was barely hydrating on a liter of water a day. Um, and people were like, Dan, you look like a cancer patient. Like, what's going on? So you can be both at extreme ends of the spectrum and you won't be happy. Mm. You also can't please people. People weren't happy when I was fat and overweight. People weren't happy when I was ripped and had a six pack. They told me I looked unhealthy. So, you know, I don't think either end of the spectrum warrants the knowledge that you have in your head. Yeah. But I do believe that you should be have like I would never get you to do something I've never done. And I've done a lot of stuff. I've run marathons, done iron half Ironman, yet to do a full Ironman probably one day. Triathlons, judo, every form of training out there. I would never tell you to be like, right, we're gonna train you for a marathon. Dan, have you ever done a marathon? No. Well, why would you make me do one then? Uh, all, all I've said of what to do is I want to improve my 5K time and now you're getting me to do a marathon. So yeah. I now feel like I have the authority to give you advice based on a massive weight loss transformation. 50 kilos is a lot to lose. Absolutely. I, I feel like I have the authority to now tell you how to do that in a safe way because I did it the unsafe way. Mm. Um, competing in judo or any real fighting sport, I know how to do the weight cutting for that. Um, I got a couple of girls in really decent bikini shape. I can do that. Um, performance for running and sport. I can do that, you know, but my, my, my main thing is obviously the weight loss transformation. Yeah, but back to the question that you said, because I'm getting a little bit away from the side here, is that do you need to be chiseled to be a good PT? No, hmm. is the answer. Do you need to uphold a certain appearance? An appearance for me is not only the way you look, but it's what you do. So I am constantly running, swimming, cycling, judo, working out, posting about my workouts. So people look at the inside and go, okay, I know he works out because I see it all the time. Yeah. That's appearance. Whereas like, do you want to be the PT that is out of shape and you know sits on the sofa all day? Yeah. You wouldn't go with it. But Absolutely. I think most, most of my clients have come to me and said, I can approach you because you look more approachable than Barry who tries to always look big in a t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree. And again, I've come from a similar background. It's not been so aggressive or aggressive is probably not the right word, but so extreme to extreme yeah. to extreme. You're um, like, you're right. It is, it is aggressive. It is aggressive. Yeah. Like I, I had it. So um, I, like when I sort of did my PT training and everything like that went well, again, I'd never been in amazing shape. Um, I'd always struggled with my weight. A uh, couple of reasons, uh, but again, ignorance to how it actually works is the main one. Just lack of education, lack of understanding, um, and a lack of doing the fucking work, really. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely, but it has it has taught me, and I think it, especially if we're talking to weight loss clients about things like, they're like, oh, I'm feeling this. 
I think it's something very special when you can be like, I know exactly what you're on about. And you're going to feel this, yeah. probably. Obviously, I don't, I, I don't think you need to be... So my stigma with that is that do you need to be have been overweight or obese to be a good fat loss coach? No, I don't think you do. Um, I do think you need to be relatable in some way. But it's like, for example, me and you, I don't know about you, but mo mo most of my demographic is women, right? Yeah, Am I ever going to know what it's like to be a busy mum of two and mm. work a full job yeah. whilst going through pregnancy? No, I can't relate yeah. to you in that. Yeah, no, but I, a, I can't relate to anyone because I've never been one. Yeah, exactly. Mm. There you go. Boom. <laughs> Nail on the head. Yeah, uh, yeah. and I, I think there is something about, about that authenticity uh, of just, I've been there. Yeah. And you've been there with enough with enough people to be like, I get this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I really, yeah. I really do. And like, it is, and like, like, like you said, I've walked into a commercial gym and been there and moaning that I'm not getting clients but I'm I look back on pictures and I'm like I wouldn't approach me what the fuck, yeah. what the fuck I'm do I know I'm the same yeah uh yeah but like it's yeah yeah very like s similar sort of thing um but it is it is that the weather changes um and how when um when you decide to make that change and I've, I've been thinking about that a lot in lockdown um, and speaking to a lot of people about it. And I think when you, you know, when you want to make a change, when you get this, fuck this, it's yeah. when that, you say that to yourself, I said it to me, by the sound of it, you said, well, that chap said to you, you have this, fuck this moment. And you're like, right, hang on. We need to do some serious work here to change it. And again, like I said, I'm not going to, Again, if I had to take my top off and strut around like that, I probably wouldn't feel very, very comfortable. Um, yeah. But again, I have, I have done that. I have been, I've jumped like in the past year, I have jumped in swimming pools where I would have been like, oh no, don't, don't look or worn a t-shirt. Whereas now I'm very, yeah. like, this is a, a lot better. And I, there's, there's a lot to be said about jumping in, um, jumping into it like, is ha having that confidence with your top off and what that can tra translate to um, as well. Because I think, I think that they, those sort of things all interlink with other, other life things that don't, don't necessarily need to be discussed at midday on a, on a Thursday. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, like I said, what would, what would you say are your three biggest lessons from fitness in general, either from your own personal journey, from coaching people, um, from what you've heard, from what you've learned, what like what would you say are your three biggest lessons? Three biggest lessons is that uh, your journey is individual, and it should be individual to you. Yeah. My journey is not the same as yours; it's very similar. Yeah, very similar, but it's it, it should be individual, and you should know that. You should know that there is a, obviously a rule of thumb for some things that you should stick to, like on a line. Mm. Um, but you should have to tweak the things along the way. Like I give like calorie calculators an example. Yeah. Um, many people have followed like low calorie diets for years, but I punch in your details and for, you know, let's just say a woman that weighs about 90 kilos, you know, it's spitting out her sort of basal metabolic rate between 17 and 1900 odd. 
And she's mm. like, I've been having just over a thousand calories for the last 20 years of my life. You can't expect me to eat another extra thousand calories a day on top of that. It's like that. We need to tweak mm. it. We need to make adjustments. We need to like work our way up to that. And your whole journey, whether it be um, fitness-based, uh, weight loss, muscle gain, sports performance, it's individual and based to you. Yeah, so that's absolutely. lesson number one. And that ties in with lesson number two as well, is that you shouldn't compare it to anyone as well. Mm. You shouldn't flick through Instagram and go, oh, I really wish I was him, or I really wish I had his body, or I see he has a Lamborghini, and you know he's a six-figure contract uh, online coach. Why am I not the same as him? Like, you got to think the rules are different, the situations are different. Like, you know, you could be a dad of four, that has a really like busy job. Are you willing? I, and this is another thing. This goes back to another thing I always say. If you're not willing to fully trade lives with someone that you're envious about, you shouldn't be jealous of them at all. So Very let's just say funny. Craig, who is a dad of four, who, who is a middle-class working man, makes good money, not amazing money, but makes good money, four kids, wife, works a eight all uh, five job every day, Monday to Friday, spends time with his family on the weekend. If he's not willing and prepared to change his life, uproot it, get rid of his family, get rid of his job, and go and be one of these party boy lifestyles that spend their weekends on yachts in Marbella yeah, and Marbella and Malaga and Yeah. Then you shouldn't be jealous of him at all because you're not prepared to make that move and make the decision to change that. Yeah. And that's quite a hard thing to say. Like, and if you do want to do that, then you should maybe take a look at your life because you shouldn't really want to trade in your family for that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's just playing, playing the playing the um, hand that you've been given. And one one yeah. thing that I remind myself of, I remind my clients of, I remind just people, friends, family. I'm like, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. yeah, I could look at, oh, so-and-so's Lambo, I could look at so-and-so's Ferrari, I could look at so-and-so's massive house. But, again, very, very different circumstances. Yeah, yeah. some people can get lucky. Uh, other people will work their fingers to the bone. Yeah, like you can look at how you run your business, run your life, but they're not you. Yeah, exactly. they're not, they've, not got, they've not got your your own thing. And I'm, I'm all up for people for working and wanting to have these things. Like, cool, you do you, but it's like, again, some people are very aesthetically gifted, like guys, naturally wide shoulders, women, like naturally wide hips and stuff that's going to, going to help build the, like the desirable physique and stuff like that. Yeah. Plastic surgery. People have had this, people have had that. And I'm like, you shouldn't be looking on Instagram. Let's just remember that that like, it's like, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. We, it is. It is great, but then it does have its real, real drawbacks of, um, of just making you feel really shit. Yeah, I mean, the thing is as well, is like, you got to think of it like, I'm the same as you. I'm all up for like aspirations, like aspire to be like someone. Don't aspire to be someone. Like, yeah. are you prepared? Now, the only reason I know this is um, because it's it was made very public but Michael Phelps, right? Yeah. He's won 25 medals, I think, uh, with a total of like more than half his gold, right? Now, on the lead up to the London 2012, he was swimming 
45 miles a week in training. Okay. He was eating near 10,000 calories a day. Okay. <laughs> uh, would you be willing to eat 10,000 calories a day of clean foods, which, you know, is pretty damn tough because anyone that says that they have 10,000 calories worth of clean foods is lying. Um, that's a lot of and, chicken. That's a lot of vegetables. Yeah. And also swim 45-ish miles a week. Mm. Like, would you, would you want to get up and go to the pool and have to swim like eight miles before you can leave for the day? I fucking hate swimming anyway. So it's, it's definitely a not. It's a no from me for sure. Just wanna, wouldn't want to do it. So why would you then turn around and say I want to be Michael Phelps? Yeah. You you don't know the training he has to go through. It's horrible. It's gruesome. Mm. And yeah, again, back back on the Instagram topic, it's a it's a highlight reel, very much a highlight reel. I, mean, yeah. I know a lot of people have been sharing when they've been feeling down, posting pictures of them crying. Make of that, of that what you will. Um, but again, like you, you don't, you don't see very rarely will you see people like, on a really shit day today because no one wants to hear about it. And then yeah. you start talking about that. Oh, why are you making us all well? Everyone else feels shit. And yeah, it's a really, it's a really tricky, tricky, tricky subject. Yeah, for sure. Mm. And then number three, mate. Number three, third biggest okay. lesson. Third biggest. Okay, so I've got my not third biggest, but your third one. It's, yeah. It doesn't have to be in an order here. Don't worry. Motivation means nothing. Yes. So it's my biggest thing, yeah, I, and I've only really learned this actually in the last year, mm. is that motivation for me... past two weeks. Yeah, motivation, you know, I don't want to say it's not there because it is there, but it goes up and down more mm. than the weather in this country, and that is a big thing, right? And you're in like, Scotland. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, I sent you those photos the other day when I was up in uh, Lena D and um, it was like 25 degrees. It's awesome. Mm. But motivations like that, we only get like two, three days of that a year. Mm. So if you're telling me you're going to rely on motivation where you're only motivated two, three days out of the year, you're just wasting your time. Absolutely. Routine and rituals for the win. They are what get you success. It's the, it's the discipline and like it's the pain. And sometimes... People are very much, it's very controversial. I'm still trying to get my head around it completely. It's, it's, it's the pain. And uh, again, when we said, fuck this, that is when a lot of, a lot of real change will happen. Um, and again, like it's thinking negatively, which I'm not saying everyone go and think negatively, but thinking about things of like, what is the negative of me not doing this? Yeah. Well, I don't like the way that I look without my top off. Um, my sex life is an absolute zero. Uh, I can't, I don't feel confident to go and talk to anyone. I mouse myself away in the corner and I hate it. Yeah. Well, that's a drawback of not going and doing your workout. It's not a draw. It's a drawback of not hitting your calories. Like, yeah, it is, it's easy to go and buy a load of shit from the corner shop. And I'm very guilty of this in the past. Like, go and buy a load of shit to make you feel better instantly. But yeah. well, how, how are you going to feel in the morning? How are you going to feel yeah. the day after that? The thing is, is that us as humans, we all look for instant gratification. Mm, now, absolutely. if we if we don't get that, we create failures in our head. So what you just said there, like, okay, I've not hit my calories today. I've not hit my steps. I've not hit my water intake. I've not done my workout. That's four failures already. Yeah, and it's only 3 p.m. in the day, right? So I think people allow that in their head so much that it becomes a vicious cycle 
you end up saying, well, it's Tuesday. I've fucked up two days. I'll just start again next Monday. And then you've lost a week. And this happens on a weekly basis. So you fail so much that it cripples you into doing nothing because you always think you're going to fail. So you set yourself up already for the fail that you turn around and go, well, there's no point. And it cripples you into doing nothing. I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more, mate. And I've been through that. I've, I've even had that in sort of like lockdown as well. Like I was like, oh, fuck this. feeling all sorry for yourself. But yeah, sometimes that is necessary and a bit of self-care is necessary. But over and over and over and over again. But again, even though it seems really, really hard when you are feeling down, it is the, do you know what's actually going to make me feel better? Forcing myself to do these things and having a bit of discipline and i'm all up for people having eating the foods that they love doing the things that they love not having to be in the gym seven eight times a week not having to hit twenty thousand steps a day but it is it is like sometimes you have got to put put work in if you want to want to do those things and you just need to make things a lot more achievable like there's no point yeah. in saying that you can yeah like some, some of it's going to be horrendous but Again, one, one, one thing that um, has been said to me before, um, I think it was at IFS again last year, it was, um, say, say you're driving along and you get a puncher, you don't, because there's one little bump in the road, you don't then go and slash the other three tyres, do you? Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. And I think that's very, very prevalent to, well, obviously, what you just... What yeah. Just the, the, th- the thing with as well is, uh, what annoys me about it is, like, our whole industry, like, you know, it started off, certainly when I first started off in industry, it was sacrifice this and you have to live life the hard way. And, you know, you need to be so regimented. You need to get up at six and drink a litre of apple cider vinegar and blah, 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 blah. Now it's the opposite. Now it's balance. You know, have the things you want. Do this. Don't restrict any foods. Don't ban. Now, I agree with that. I am more pro that side. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100 agree. You give some people an inch and they will take 280 miles, right? Yeah. I mean, so lockdown is a perfect example. Yeah, this whole thing about don't go to the beach. Everyone goes to the beach. Like, yeah, don't don't restrict yourself from any food. Yeah, I'm all for that. There, and I don't like the word sacrifice, but you have to have an element of sacrificing some things, or certainly tightening your belt on them. Because if I tell you your diet has no restrictions, you can literally have whatever you want. If you were to say that to me, who, when I was obese, I would have literally said, okay, my calorie amount is, let's just say it was 2000 a day, which I probably would have been more, but I'm rubbish at math. So let's just use 2000 a day. Right. And I was to have, think I can have anything I want in those 2000 calories sound. I'm going to go at Krispy Kreme, four donuts, 500 each. My diet is done for the day. Mm. And I'd sit there and be like, oh, it's only 12.30. Half my calories. What am I going to do for the other 10 and a half hours that I'm away to be awake for? But, you know, it's okay because, I, 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 you know, the guy said I can have whatever I want and I wanted four donuts today, so I'll be all right with that. It gets to five, right? So it's just five hours later and I'm like, ooh. I, you know, I had to get back from town. I had to walk, catch two buses and, you know, mince about a bit. I'm feeling quite hungry. I've got no calories left though. Yeah, it's not good, Dan. 
but you know, I'm not going to learn because he did say I was allowed anything and I'm going to do the same tomorrow. And then I get to tomorrow and I'm like, well, no, that didn't work for me. So I'm just going to have six donuts and then I'm going to eat at five when I'm hungry. So, and I've worked with those people that are like that. So I won't say take out the donuts. I'm more of like, right, let's program them in. Yeah. You can have one and it definitely yeah. itch, but then you're going to want to have some breakfast. You want to probably have something with it. You probably want to have some dinner as well. Maybe even like a little snack in the afternoon or the, the evening or whatever. So. Yeah, no. So I definitely look at programming them, them things. And I like to have the base outline of what you're going to have, the food choices, the food groups uh, and the amounts. And then I say, okay, well, all that equates to that. So you have about 20% of your calories left. Go and do what you will with that. Yeah. I'll give you 20% to play with instead of 100. And that's yeah. the way I do it. Oh, yeah, that's, that's actually a really good way of doing it, actually. Like, I, I really, go, like, really like that. And yeah, like, like you said, the way, the way that I put it to people is you have, I'll, I'll give you that number as long as you hit the calories, drinking plenty of water, moving, hitting your steps, get, your, get a couple of workouts in a week and hit your protein each day. Yeah, you'll be laughing. And plus, that protein is going to help fill you up. I love, like, that's something I've been doing in lockdown. It's like almost every day smashing, like, at least 160 grams of protein in for me personally. Again, it's all very individualized, but really yeah. going for it, going for it, going for it. And like, oh, what can I have to get my protein in? And looking at this and looking at that, I was like, oh, and do you know, what? actually, I'll sacrifice that and have a bit of that. And then, like, little things like, like a tub of Halo Top, it's got 20 grams of protein in, mate. Yeah. Really? So I get my ice cream and I get 20 grams of protein and it has come down. I've had about 300 calories left in the day and about 20 grams away from my protein target. Perfect. <laughs> For me anyway. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is as well is I get you to just be ma like massively accountable for it. So mm. like if you're, if you're prepared, so like, for instance, I'll tell you a thing I really love is Green Monster. Now, okay. Green Monster is 240 calories a tin, which is effectively... A meal, right? Yeah. yeah, small meal. But I'm okay with that. I'm okay with if I'm feeling like crap and tired and I need a wee pick-me-up, I'll substitute a meal, especially if I'm on the move. I even more don't mind it when I'm on the move. But I'm okay with that. Hmm. I will I will probe that. I hold myself accountable. I have, you know, a coach. I, you know, I'm accountable to a group. I, I hold myself accountable to that. But if you're not willing to do it, don't do it. If you say to me, Dan, I can have 250 calories in that tin and I won't, I won't go over today, I'll be like, okay, prove to me then. And then you tell me and you'll be like, okay, well, maybe you can be trusted, but most people won't be. So if you're not willing to hold yourself accountable and accountable to somebody else, and I will hold you accountable because I'm the one that looks at your food diary at the end of the week and I see what goes on. And I see that you've not dropped either body fat or weight or measurements, uh, circumference measurements if not hasn't come down. And I'll question it and I'll be like, right, monster day, what happened? So you had a really high sugary drink, which, you know, spiked your insulin levels up a little bit. Usually what happens when something goes up so high, it comes down. You know, you feel a bit lethargic, you feel tired. Oh, I need another pick me up. Oh, I've got no monster. I'll just go and have a chocolate biscuit. One chocolate biscuit turns into 10. Pack it, gone. Mm. So, so you know, it's all about holding yourself accountable and then being accountable to somebody else. I'm all for you having the stuff, but you need to justify it to me in a way and prove to me that you can be trusted with it before I just allow you to go off on the reins. 
Mm, absolutely. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, it, it is the accountability. Like, and in the past, that's what I've fell down is because I'm not accountable to anyone. Yeah. And you're like, I'm like, who's this impacting? Me, but I'm completely okay with it. Whereas if if I was to have like a coach in place or someone to have coach, and then they'd be like, Oh, okay, you had two packets of biscuits when you got home. And yeah, I like there's nothing there's nothing you can do about it, but it's just learning learning from it. Again, it's like there's no such thing as a loss if you learn from it. I think that's of Michael Jordan. It might be. who knows? Who knows? Um yeah. Any 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 other business with that one, mate? No, I would say, however, um, this is total anecdotal and it's totally me that's just saying it. There's no science that backs it up. I'm not saying it's gospel word. I'm just saying it's really worked for me. But when I am fitter, stronger uh, and healthier, all my other ducks fall into line. My business goes well. My lifestyle goes better. My energy's to the roof. My sleep's better. My stress is better. My sex drive is better. My relationships are better. I feel generally better. There's yeah. no stone cold hard science to say that is because obviously people go through other issues. Yeah, no, I'm not exercise is a cure, but strong body equals strong mind. And when my body is strong, my mind is strong. And when my mind is strong, I can do anything. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, and like I've I've had it like I've had, I've spoken to people in lockdown and um, my clients and at the start of like a workout they're like. Oh. And I know, I'm like, you're here. That's that's a good thing. That's a good start. And you you get them you get them going through. Start chatting. Start moving. And by the end of it, you're like, how do you feel? And actually, I feel amazing. And I'm like, boom. And then I was like, you start that. You just take that momentum forward with you. And then you're absolutely laughing. And it, yeah, I, I completely I'm completely agree. All these things come in come in line. Um, yeah. And like particularly for me, like I know if I'm really going it with, with, with the training, with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, with training, uh, just generally, again, like when I'm at work, I just stand up because I'm a personal trainer. Like I can't just sit there like, oh yeah, do that mate. Um, yeah. Again, like I said, I, I, day to day, I live a really particularly active lifestyle. So like, again, I, then that gives me, even if I'm looking to be in a calorie deficit, I still get more calories to put in to play with. So instead of me yeah. sitting at 2000, I might, if I'm training how many times a week, I can look at be having 2,500 and like that and still being in that deficit because I might need 3000 calories a day or yeah. 2,800. Again, like I said, we won't get into the maths of it, but like, yeah. let me, let me tell you a very, very important, uh, quickly, very other thing as well. People always talk about balance and finding balance and finding that sweet spot. Mm. I don't think that's what balance is. I think balance is having a line and balance is knowing which end of the line that you're at. So I said there that strong body equals strong mind. When I'm fitter, leaner, stronger, faster, my body and my brain and everything works well. But if I go too far with that and I get really like when I was ripped, I get grumpy I do sit down in sessions because I'm so lazy and I'm so tired and I'm always thinking about my next meal. So that's being at one end of the spectrum. Whereas when I was overweight, I was kind of doing the same because I wasn't fit enough to stand for 
six hours on the gym floor when I would have back-to-back sessions. Mm. I'd always have to eat all the time because I was hungry again. And that's the same on that side. So balance for me is knowing when to take my foot off the gas because I'm doing too much and when to put my foot on the gas when I'm knowing I'm not doing enough. So although it's not trying to find a sweet spot, I will live at both ends of the spectrum. It's just knowing when, Dan, you need to back the fuck off here. And then, Dan, you need to kick yourself into gear, mate. Otherwise, you're going to look like a car crash. Yeah, So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, cool. So moving on ever so slightly. It's good yep. job you had your arm up there, mate. So I'm going to talk about your judo injury. So just tell us a little bit about that. What did you do? When, when did it happen? Um, and then we'll, get, we'll dig deeper, a little, a little bit deeper on it. Okay, so long story cut short, uh, I was throwing someone with a throw, which none of you guys will know, maybe some of the judo guys out there will, a Marotte Sienagi, right, which is a Japanese name for a shoulder throw. Okay, so my arm was up, not that any of you guys can see this, but my arm was up like this. It was raised up sort of about head height and then at sort of 90 degree angle. Now, the way that the bicep works is it attaches to your um, radius, which is your uh, wrist bone. And then as your arm straightens out, you'll notice the bicep comes with it. So the tendon that that attaches onto burst off because I threw someone whilst my wrist was in a twisted position. The guy didn't want to go. I bent my arm back a little bit further to throw him. And as I took him off the floor and threw him through the air, big pop, bicep detached. Now, obviously when I did it, it was really painful, but I didn't think that is what I had done so I obviously did what every other male in this world does I'll shake it off I'll be fine give me a couple weeks I'll be back so I left it the pain went away but the function of my arm stopped so the bicep normally sits about either middle of the arm or certainly down more towards your your forearm this time it crept because I had nothing attaching it to the radius it sat up near my shoulder and you could quite noticeably see that. Now, because I had left it so long, the bicep tendon had died and so had some of the bicep. So they had to cut away at that. They had to take a large graft out of my hamstring, uh, drill through my bone and reattach it back on. Now, it was a 10 month recovery initially. Um, but I'm still like, I still can't really like, I haven't got the full function. You can see my hand shakes a little bit, but I was like, the other one's fine. I still have not got full function. It's only just been a year in May. It was a year. So yeah. There you go. I didn't realize how recent it was. I thought it was further back than that, but that's yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, but I mean the the main thing there was, so you, you hit this injury and you have to have this pretty pretty nasty surgery um how how did you overcome it what was your journey like physically and mentally because again i can imagine that was a big player up upstairs but then physically as well because you're basically ruling out a large a large chunk of your body yeah so i'll not lie to you um it was probably one of the worst things i've ever done in my life the injury itself was probably i would say at about a 60 percent capacity for being sore and uncomfortable and like function not working. Well, function maybe a little bit bigger because I couldn't um, couldn't curl my arm properly. I couldn't curl anything more than a three kilo dumbbell. Um, but the operation was a hundred percent the worst thing I've ever been through. Um, I didn't sleep for like two months. So the rest of May, 
pretty much all of June and a little bit of July, I was in so much pain, I couldn't sleep. Um, the pain meds I was getting, and this is the reason why, the pain meds I was getting, um, one of them uh, was making me sick. The other gave me like an insane rash all up my back. And I didn't tell you, but two weeks before I got the operation for this, I broken this arm doing judo uh, and, uh, tore it because I was like oh well I'm not going to get to judo for ages so I'll go for a little pull about I had a lot of power in my arm but I, I would say 15% power so I was fighting one-sided I got thrown landed the wrong way broken this arm at the top of the humerus head and tore my rotator cuff Ouch. so as I was getting the operation the surgeon said you might have to get this repaired so why don't we just do it all at once? The rotator cuff repair, the bicep repair, and the ham with the hamstring graft. I got it scanned and it turned out I didn't actually need the torn rotator cuff repair. I could do it through physio. But when I got the operation, it was still only four weeks in and it's a, a minimum of six weeks to heal for a broken bone, right? Mm. 12, uh, six to 12 weeks, somewhere depending on your healing rate. So I couldn't actually like get up to scratch with my other arm because this was in a cast stuck in a cast for 16 weeks so the doctor was like we've got nothing else for you you know you're allergic to them so you either take the pain meds and you either be sick and you have a rash or you don't and you be in pain and the rash and sickness goes and I could not deal with the insane heat of the rash like I couldn't get to it yeah. so I like can the medication so I stopped taking the meds within uh, two weeks and I was in some amount of horrible pain and um, couldn't sleep, uh, couldn't do things like, it sounds really like sh um, bad, but like I couldn't go to the toilet on my own because I had a cast on my leg as well for a bit because I couldn't walk because they took the hamstring graft out. So I needed help with everything, couldn't get dressed, couldn't put my, only even my own socks on. Um, and yeah, obviously when I first did it, I was like, I'm going to be, because I was like, uh, you know, I had quite a few clients and a few online clients and I was still very prevalent and active on social media. I was like, oh, I'll show them all that, you know, you can come through adversity. And so I went in fairly quickly and started training with one side, doing very simple movement stuff and um, stuff that didn't actually use too much of my arm because it was the other one was broken still. But that just made me depressed and uh, it put me back into my room and uh, I ballooned up a little bit in weight because I gave up. Um, I sat in my chair, watched Netflix all day, played PlayStation when I could, um, but I couldn't actually grip the controller because the cast came right up and covered okay. my hand. So my hand was stuck like this. Um, not that you guys can see, but um, yeah, I, I got really depressed for ages. Um, you know, I wasn't really a fun, friendly guy to be around. And yeah, just, you know, struggled real bad uh, and couldn't find the motivation to like get up and get dressed. So I would like just sit in my bed all day. Uh, I couldn't cook any food because obviously I couldn't stand for prolonged periods of time or I couldn't move plates around and you know, whatever have you. Um, but obviously I did kick myself out of that. Um, it took a lot. It got better the more I slept. So yeah, sleep is just the magical drug at the end of the day. Sleep and rest. Yeah, what, 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 people are like to me, oh, but you sat and did nothing all day, like you were resting all day. When I say I didn't sleep, I really mean I did not sleep at night. I would lay back in my bed, looking at the ceiling and think. Now, when you've got time to think, you drive yourself utterly insane. Well, sorry, when you've got that much time to think, 
you drive yourself utterly insane. I was like falling asleep during the day. Like I was napping. I'm not saying I stayed up straight for two months, but I was maybe really getting on a daily basis with naps and that little tinsy wincy bit of sleep I was getting a night. I was lucky if I was getting four hours sleep a day, which is quite low. Sometimes it was none. I remember there was a, th- a three day stint where I didn't sleep at all. So oh my God. I, just I just couldn't sleep. So when I slept more, I then obviously recharged my batteries a bit more and started to notice I was being a bit of an idiot and you know, whatever have you. And then some of my clients I started working with back online. And then I, I was obviously forced to go back to work pretty quick because I'm self-employed and I didn't hurt myself at work. So I couldn't claim on any work insurance. So I, I needed to go back to PTing and it, yeah. it started off like four hours PT a week, but that was still something. Um, and that really helped a lot. Contact with the outside people helped a lot. Um, and yeah, I kicked myself out of it and then slowly, gradually built back up my client base and then until I was working full time in the gym. And then I was like, well, I don't have time to be depressed, sad and moaning because I, and I don't have time to wait for motivation because I'm still not really motivated. Like people seem to forget this is, this is personally my second lockdown within a year. Because I sat, I sat on my yeah. bum for five months last month, uh, last year, because I couldn't move. Now I have to have had to do it again. So motivation for me doesn't really exist. I'm not motivated, but I've created yeah. a system for myself where I see I have to be an authority role for people, a role model for my clients. And I, I've now taken that to lockdown as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, trust me. Every being in my bone wants me to stay up late at night playing Call of Duty and then waking up at all hours of the day the next day. But I check in with my clients every morning at like 7 a.m. No, no matter what. Like, simple message. Hi, how are you doing? How are you getting on? Did you manage to go out on that run that you told me you were going to go out on? Or did you get that TRX I forwarded you the other day? Did, did, did you buy it? Just simple messages. And then they get the check-in once a week. So... I've taken that routine on with me. And that was a big thing for me was creating a routine back into work that got me out of the, the, the depressed sort of stage that I was at. Yeah. And like, seriously, man, I tell you, when you've got time to think, like I was thinking people were talking about me, all, all sorts of stuff. But it's just because I was like lying, looking yeah. up at this, the ceiling and I was like there for eight hours a night, not sleeping. So. And wherever, wherever energy get where where attention goes, energy flows. So if you're, if you're sat there thinking about these things and like, oh yeah, and think about, oh, this person or that person or this client and you start to think and churn and churn and churn. And then the next thing you know, you're obsessing about it and you're making up stories that aren't true. And yeah, I made up all the stuff that aren't true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's opinion. And I mean, like you've got to ask yourself, could you prove that in a court of law? Yeah, that's the way it's been put to me before, and I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't prove these things that I keep on thinking about. Yeah. So what? What am I worried about? And just taking taking that attention elsewhere, focusing on other things, uh, do doing other things like, yeah, like, like I said, that when when that was put to me, that phrase where attention goes, energy flows, results will show, like that's been the biggest lesson, the big, like for me, out of like lockdown and everything like that, which we'll kind of just uh, like briefly go over. But after yeah. then I was like, 
okay i i i, I, I don't, it's not i get it but i'm like this makes sense yeah this makes sense i i i think definitely if we're moving on to that the one thing i've definitely learned in lockdown is that you shouldn't really let life change too much no you're still you still have to live now albeit nothing's open you can't go anywhere that, that doesn't stop you and doesn't give you the warrant and right to eat crap and do nothing you were still allowed out for an hour exercise a day which you would go to the gym for an hour roughly a day so mm. what's stopping you doing bodyweight stuff out in the garden or out in the park or you know i have the world's smallest flat and it is an absolute hot box <laughs> i still work out in it every day yeah because i notice that I have my daily routines and the things I do, you know, to keep me sane up here, I have to do them. I don't, I'm not 100% on it all the time. That's another thing as well. I'm 80% on it. If I've got an 80% batting average, then, you know, my scores are going to be good for the season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you have five shots on goal in a game of football and you got four out of five shots on target yeah. or scored them, like, you're going to be getting a big paycheck for your door. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's pretty much my biggest thing is taking my routine and trying to keep it as similar as possible and not taking it for granted. Like, there's a lot worse people off in this world, especially at the minute, especially with this whole pandemic. Like, people are dying. People are losing family members. And they can't go visit them. That's the painful thing. Like you're in an amazing position. You're fit. You're healthy. Yeah, you may your health markers might not be great, which is why you're obviously like working with a PT. But you yourself have an opportunity to change that, like not anyone else. And I think that's the biggest thing I've learned is that to not sit and moan about it, to go and sit and still do something about it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I mean the one the one thing that I was I was going to say is there anything that you've like particularly struggled with or is there like any outstanding highlights that you would be like yeah that's that's maybe changed the direction of where we want to go or where you want to go personally or mm, I would definitely say for myself and my business uh that the reason part of the reason why I want to try and go a little a bit more online is because even when the gyms do open I might not be able to go back and I was doing like between 25 and 30 sessions a week. Yeah. Um, it's not looking likely that I'll maybe, I'll maybe only get to do 10 sessions a week. So, you know, I need to then think my income slashed in half. How am I going to replicate and build that back up and not rely on the gym for that? Because if we go through a second wave of this, we're just going to go on lockdown again. Yeah. So I think personally, I've learned to be more prepared and try and build a sort of online client base as well as having the offline. And then one day I would like more of the freedom of working online where I get to make my own choices as well. Yeah. Perfect, mate. Um, so I, if we start sort of wrapping up here, um, again, I want to finish off um, with three questions. So like I said, we want to do, the, I want to do the first three and the final three. So yeah. three random questions and I have absolutely nothing to do with fitness. Yeah. Um, so what is the worst date you've ever been on? And give us as much detail as you can. Obviously no names or anything like that. We don't want to get anyone in trouble. Um, well, yeah. What's the worst date that you've been on, my man? Worst date I've ever been on. Oh, me. Um, duh, duh, duh. Okay. So this was a while ago. Okay. 
um, I think I was maybe 18 or 19. I met this girl and we were, we met at a bar um, and I, I, she got there before me. Um, and so obviously she was already sitting down. Now, when, <laughs> I don't know if I'll be telling this right. So when uh, I, I, I always went and got the drinks or when the waiter would come over, he'd be like, do you want any drinks, blah, blah, blah. We didn't eat um, and she just kept slamming back drinks. Now, th now there's two different things here. So as, as we were slamming back drinks, I noticed myself getting drunk. Now I was quite a big, I, I was a bigger guy at the time. So it must have been after. It must have been, must have been about 20 years old then. Yeah. yeah. I, I was a bit of a bigger guy, and I, I could handle my drink very well, but we had had the equivalent of about 10 doubles of something, right? Oh, Jesus and Christ. And I, I, I could feel myself start to get really woozy. And then I, I was like to her, I was like, are you not drunk? And she was like to me, oh, um, I have a condition. There's like a scar um, on my liver, which... Uh, allows me to drink copious amounts of alcohol and not feel the drunk effect. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so she can drink and drink and drink. She'll still get the same, uh, like, health effects, like, your, you know, your liver deteriorating and long-term effect on the liver would happen. She just wouldn't get the drunk feeling. So she could tan drink and not get drunk, right? So I was so, so, so wrecked, right? that um, I couldn't stand, right? And yeah. she was quite a, 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 a considerably smaller girl than me. And uh, as we were, she was like taking me to the taxi rank. This is how bad she got me drunk. She had to take me to the taxi rank. And uh, uh, yeah, spewed at her feet. Wow. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, needless to say, she was very nice about it, but she didn't ever call me back. <laughs> Oh man, cool. That perfect. That's the exact story I wanted. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, two other questions. Uh, what's your what's the best place that you've ever been in the world? Like the coolest place, the best place you've ever been, or one thing that you like recommend people to go and do or go and see wherever. Okay. So I, I went, now, but I went to Thailand in May. Uh, May. I went to Thailand last November for a month. Yeah. And one of the places we went to is the uh, Fifi Islands. Now, they are an island that has no roads, okay? Okay. So it's an island. You get in by boat, you leave by boat, you walk about on uh, They have, like, um, walkways that you can walk about. There's no cars, no roads, nothing. And it was paradise. Turquoise water, white sand, coconut trees. It was amazing and it was good to be there because it's uh, about uh, an hour's boat ride from any of the mainland and it was totally secluded. It was awesome party scene. Like it, it was amazing. So yeah, Fifi Islands in Thailand. Cool. Just write that down. Um, and then what is your absolute favorite quote, mantra, motto, whatever you want to call it um, for anything, whether it's fitness, life, whatever. <sighs> okay. Um, I have it written down here. I don't want to butcher it, so let me just. Mm. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, where is it? Right. Uh, oh, hold on. Okay, so the day you plant the seed isn't the day you pick the flower. Jamie Alderson. <laughs> Yeah, no, 
brilliant mate brilliant that is such a good yeah i say that to my clients all the time yeah that's an absolute killer absolute killer perfect mate um thanks very much for coming on the show um where where can we find you where we can find, where can we find your stuff yeah okay so i have more uh social media um on instagram and facebook uh my tag on instagram is at target pt 91 because for some reason target pt was taken so i had to add on the 91 um and my facebook is just target pt um i'm more prevalent on instagram but yeah if you guys want to message me and ask me any questions the, the stuff that i've went over and um, feel free to message me and i'll easily get back to you cool perfect and your podcast Yes, so my podcast that I run with my uh, very good friend Matt Fraser is Two Pints of Water and a Packet Away. That's a crack um, name. Cracking name, yeah. We've had some <laughs> really awesome guests so far. We've had I can back to that. I love the podcast. Yeah, we've had Olympians on. We've had uh, you know Britain's Strongest Men on. Uh, who else have we had? Uh, you know, world class strength athletes, uh, strength coaches. Um, fat loss specialist from australia yes, uh, we've got, yeah uh you know somebody that fights in cage warriors coming on very soon Absolutely. um and, and yeah we, we we try and are making it sort of like really wide range not just about fitness um we're trying to make it about sort of all sports um you know we've done how to train for marathons you know, we've done, we've had a pole vaulter on, we've had Commonwealth Games specialists, eating disorder coaches, like we've literally had it all. We've had a guy that ran the first ever expo in Scotland, the SFN Expo. So yeah, we've had some pretty cool guests on. Perfect. Thanks very much, mate. Um, yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Let me just sort Thank of... you very much for having me.